Hey TYT, I'm Nomi Konst here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee has a little something special happening. Actually, all of Wisconsin. Uh, progressives across the state have been organizing on the ground, grassroots up, to challenge the, the right-wing, uh, free market, Ayn Rand, uh, attack on union form of republicanism, conservatism, and they've been doing it very well. We're here at the WFP Working Families Headquarters here in Wisconsin in Milwaukee with two representatives. Uh, we have Marina, and I have her here perfectly, Dimitri Evich. Perfect. Marina Dimitri Evich, who yeah. is the uh, director of WFP Wisconsin, and Max Love, who is the Our Revolution uh, director here in Wisconsin as well. And Our Revolution, of course, is the organization that launched out of the Bernie campaign, and, and there's a great synergy that's happening here in the state, but also across the country between the, the two movements and two organizations. Now, um, before we get started, I, just, just to remind our audience who we've covered a lot of, of OR's work and WFP's work, but what, does, what do each of these organizations do, Marina? Sure. Um, Working Families Party is the place to be. We are growing fast. We just launched a new state in Texas. Uh, we're well known for our work on the East Coast, but we're all through the Midwest. We're working our way west, and uh, we're the party, the group, the organization that fights for the 99% and wins. Um, we are winning legislatively. We're organizing people. Um, we're winning elections. We're pushing uh, Democrats to the left, pulling them to the left, and um, we, we really we think we're the, the place to be to keep people accountable that are in office. And if they're not uh, doing a good job, we're going to replace them with good progressive champions. And we're winning. And, and on the national level, the, the origin of WFP is it's not part of the Democratic Party. It's a right. progressive organization, sometimes party on the ballot in yeah. some states. Well, here's an interesting factoid since you're in Wisconsin. Um, Working Families Party nationally has roots here in Madison, Wisconsin, what was the new party. Mm -hmm. But you're right, we are challenging the status quo. We're challenging the establishment. And uh, whether you want to call us a faction uh, or a left part of the party or not, um, I think we operate on the outside and we find that to be incredibly effective. We can be independent. We're an independent political organization. Um, and now more than ever, we've seen folks um, rejecting the status quo, rejecting the establishment, questioning the way that things and business has been done as usual. Um, and it's a hot moment for us and we're growing um, faster than I've ever seen because people want something new, they want to change and they're seeing that home with us. Max. Our revolution, uh, one of the states that they, our revolution national points to as a huge success is Wisconsin. What's yep. the secret? Well, Bernie said it's not about me, it's about us. And we are taking Bernie's message and we are putting boots on the ground across the entire state with Working Families Party, especially in the statewide elections in 2018. Mm -hmm. We're getting out, we're taking Bernie's agenda and we're bringing that to people. And we're also finding out what people want to hear from us. Um, so it's really about that ground-up movement, uh, the people-powered movement that Bernie, you know, when Bernie came here, the crowds, they were incredible. Uh, they wrapped around arenas, you know, the, you were inside the, the, the events and it was thunderous. Mm -hmm. And so we want to take a lot of that energy and actually bring it down to the state and local level and, and get candidates that really speak for Bernie's agenda here in Wisconsin elected. Okay, so you talk about 2016, I, I would be negligent to not mention that the Democratic candidate, Secretary Hillary Clinton, notably did not visit Wisconsin after Bernie won with a huge wave and Donald Trump won Wisconsin, uh, you know, a formerly union-heavy state with a lot of progressives. Mm -hmm. He won this state and Hillary Clinton did not show up and, and of course lost Wisconsin. 
I want to talk a little bit about the history of Wisconsin and why this was so notable, and especially in the last decade, what that means. Sure. Um, we went red for the first time in a presidential race for in nearly 30 years. I mean, in my lifetime, um, it's something that I, I really haven't witnessed, and it, it's still, you can hear in my voice, it's still hurtful and painful and hard to admit. Um, but at the same time, we have folks like Senator Tammy Baldwin. You know, we have these, this, as you uh, mentioned, a really great um, history fighting Bob La Follette. Um, work, workmen's compensation uh, has or, origins here. Um, we have a large uh, union movement, but it's true. In 2016, uh, we saw something that we hadn't really seen before. We weren't ready for it, um, and it hit us <laughs> across the face in a way that we probably weren't prepared for. But I also want to make sure that people understand that it wasn't the same Wisconsin. It was Scott Walker's Wisconsin. There was a voter ID, changes to early voting, changes to weekend voting. Um, this is the petri dish of ALEC and the Conservative Party. So this was a premeditated um, conspiracy, but it's true now, it's played itself out. It was premeditated actions to make sure that Wisconsin uh, ended up uh, having a harder time turning out the vote and eventually uh, going for Trump. So you know, this is what the Republicans wanted and they got it, but um, it's time to move forward. You mentioned Scott Walker. What mm -hmm. happened in your, your native Wisconsinite? Yeah, I was, uh, I was... <laughs> what happened in 2011? Well, I grew up in Lodi, Wisconsin, which is uh, very close to Madison, and ended up going to school in Madison. And in 2011, um, there was an attack on, on not only unions, but, but people across the state. And I think that's a moment that we failed to really capture. Um, you know, there were people at those protests, and you, you, you know, uh, people probably saw them on, on TV, right? There were hundreds of thousands of people coming out. But the message wasn't about the health care that was uh, cut from 85,000 people or the billion dollars that was cut from, higher edu or from education, you know, the $500 million that was cut from higher education, uh, K-12. So I think, you know, what we're trying to do now is, is really try to build a bigger movement, right? You know, Bernie mm -hmm. came and he talked about some very core issues, health care, education, the environment, student debt, um, racial justice. You know, there are a lot mm -hmm. of things that we feel like now we are trying to, to bring to the election this year and really, again, doing that from a ground-up um, uh, approach. Now, I, I will say, too, the, the margin was narrow in 2016. It wasn't like Trump won by a landslide. I want to remind folks of that, because I feel like we often get into this doom and gloom scenario where it's, you know, what do we do? But we're talking 27,000 votes. I think Marina astutely pointed out that, you know, this was something that was done intentionally. There was mm -hmm. a plan, and, and redistricting, and, and voter ID, and we saw the black vote depressed by 30% uh, mm -hmm. in a recent article in Mother Jones. Um, so, you know, we're doing a lot to try to capture energy and actually get people excited because we feel like, you know, if we inspire people, if we put forward something, a vision that's positive and aspirational, people will actually want to come out and vote. The way that the elections are set up here, um, the electoral laws are a little bit different than the rest of the country. And, and I think that's what's so, so interesting to me is that you could have such a, a strong wave with Bernie Sanders, but also win with Trump. And, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, some of that has to do with the fact that this is a state that has open primaries. And, and open elections where you can, a, a Republican can turn out, you, mm -hmm. you know, OR yep. has a diverse membership base. I don't know what WFP's membership base is like, but mm -hmm. uh, you can be in a Scott Walker, Wisconsin, a Paul Ryan, Wisconsin, but also a Bernie Sanders, Wisconsin. What does that mean for the rest of the country? What, like, how do you use that as a model? 
moving forward? I think people are hungry for a new type of politics. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately a lot of people are feeling like in our day and age that it is uh, people, people want to belong to communities. People want to feel like their voice matters. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody sees at the national level especially and also in Wisconsin that uh, the elite, uh, the wealthy are, are purposefully, are, are spending money, are intentional about, about limiting our ability as, as everyday people to get out and, and make a change. And um, you know, I think that if we, can, if we can get out and again put boots on the ground to go out and talk to people. I think that one thing that I, that I would kind of criticize uh, about, about 2016 is I don't think those conversations were really deep enough with people. Mm. I don't think they were intentional enough across the entire state. I think there was this assumption that you know, we'll, we'll turn people out and we'll win. And I think what it shows the rest of the country, what we've seen in Virginia and New Jersey, and uh, even in the most recent election, people, when you're at the door, when you're talking to people, when you're mo mobilizing volunteers, you can win with a good message. And I just wanted to add too, um, it can't go without talking about that um, then candidate Trump totally stole some of our messages. Like people need to talk about that. He was talking about trade. He was talking about raising wages. And that happened whether we allowed it or not. And it's an interesting wave of folks because we did, it's a fact, whether it's hard to accept or not, that there are folks in Wisconsin that voted for Bernie in the primary and then voted for Trump in the general. Absolutely. And while it's uncomfortable, it makes us uneasy, we have to look it in the eye and go out and have another conversation with those people and those voters. And especially in this upcoming governor's race, bring them back in. And we've used the term non-binary. And that means that we're seeing this wave of people and voters that are um, just choosing election to election. And so us in movement politics, it makes us a little uneasy because it's not our normal, normal model. It doesn't fit the data model that we've been used to. But that's why we in these two organizations, our Wisconsin Revolution and Working Families Party, are trying new things. We're seeing distributive organizing. We have What's to be, that? sure, we have to be uh, able to unleash <laughs> ourselves from the old ways of organizing, um, putting power of organizing and decentralizing it into many different hands, um, having talks about privilege and power, um, working with groups like Indivisible that give people a toolkit to have a kitchen conversation about how to make 100 phone calls. And we have to be willing to go big, go bold, and not be afraid to fail. And Working Families Party and our Wisconsin Revolution are trying things that haven't been done before. The unforum that we're having with these governor candidates mm -hmm. and the speed dating concept that we're going to probably talk about um, hasn't been done before. Because here's the thing, if we keep doing the same thing over and over, we're going to have the same result. So we have to be willing to try some new things. I think what's interesting to me is that uh, there is quite a bit of a difference between Scott Walker, Paul Ryan's style of politics and and Donald Trump's style of politics. And, and, and whether or not Donald Trump's style of politics of stealing the populist message, pseudo-populism is going to work in two years is a whole other conversation. But Paul Ryan and, and mm -hmm. Scott Walker never pretended to be populists. Right. They were you know, free market, uh, the government's not the solution, they're the problem kind of candidates. To me, that just seems like it's a grand opportunity for any sort of progressives to come in and just bring that message back to the place where, sure. to home. And, and literally, this is home. This is the home of that populist message. Um, are you getting the sense that people across the state have learned the lesson of 2016 and they're back on board? Yeah, and I'd um, like to apply that to Randy Bryce running in Congressional District 1. Um, Paul Ryan is the most dangerous man in America. Mm 
He really is. Um, he's there to do, although he hasn't been that successful, deliver on Trump's agenda. And just as the populist message was stole from us, we're going to steal it right back. <laughs> and we need to do that with these types of candidates, much like Randy Bryce. Randy Bryce is running on a leftist populist message that talks about real economics that help working families. Um, it's why he's obtained Bernie Sanders' support. And it's why when you look at the approval ratings of Paul Ryan, it's no surprise that he's considering retirement mm -hmm. because his approval ratings are absolutely terrible. He's being outraised. He's being outraised. Yeah, I mean, the people are speaking, the donors are speaking. Randy Bryce has raised from almost every state in the United States millions of dollars. And Paul Ryan can see the writing on the wall, and it's scary. And so 2018 is a huge year for Wisconsin. Um, and everyone's going to be watching it because as goes Wisconsin in 2018, probably will go the rest of the country in 2020. Hmm. It's my prediction. And, and from the vantage point of OR, OWR, I should say, our, our Wisconsin revolution, when you're dealing with people that are not traditional Democrats, that you know, you, you yep. do have traditional Democrats and you have traditional progressives, but it's, it's, the electorate's completely changed. As you mentioned, it's a non-binary system anymore. Um, how do you, as a leader, message to the non-progressive types to bring in other people, that this is, this is the home? Yeah, let me just say, people aren't stupid. Mm -hmm. And in, in terms of 2016, you know, we were, I care about the numbers of, of Trump's voters and how they still feel about Trump. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, the general approval rating is important, but in thinking about 2016, where we're going from there, I care about, you know, in Wisconsin, people that voted for Trump, do they still support him? And in April, those numbers were pretty high. They were in the 90s. And then in August, those numbers were down to 70%. And we're seeing those numbers drop. Um, so, you know, we know that he's not kind of uh, retaining this type of support. And I, I, I go back to my point, you know, people aren't stupid. Um, you put a lot of hot air into a balloon, it's going to pop. Uh, you put a lot of hot air into a balloon, it's going to have to deflate at some point. And I think people are starting to wake up to that. And so they're, they're hungry, like I said earlier, for, for new models, for, um, for their voices to be heard, as they've always been. Mm -hmm. And we're going out to doors, and we're not just knocking on the doors that we know already support us. We're talking to the independents, we're talking to the moderates. Um, we're not wasting our time necessarily with people that may never agree with us, but we want to hear from people. And we want to know, you know, what do you feel? How do you feel about the Democratic Party? How do you feel about the Republican Party? But most importantly, what are the things that you talk, talk about at, at your table with your family? What are the issues that you're struggling with? And you'd be amazed when you hear a conversation with somebody and they say, oh, I don't know, I don't have any issues. And then you start saying, you list them off, you say the environment, education, healthcare, and they're like, oh, actually all of those things are issues in my life. And, you know, I've done a lot of doors around the state and it's amazing, people are really hurting. And this can't go on for much longer, or there's going to be um, you know, a, lot, a lot more frustration than we're even seeing right now. And we have to be able to channel that in a productive way. What are those top issues? I would say education, healthcare, uh, jobs in the economy. I mean, people, people feel like they uh, are, are, are trying really hard, and they're coming up short. And you know, we, we're doing a lot of, uh, so one thing that we're doing with our revolution is a lot of political education. Mm -hmm. So we're going out, we're talking to folks, but again, we're having those longer conversations. And we're, we're, we're saying, you know, these are the things that I'm dealing with, you know, what are you dealing with, and actually trying to meet, meet in the middle and actually be able to share those stories, but then digging in a little bit more on, on Wall Street, on the 1%, um, on the movements that are happening, mm -hmm. and actually being able to share some information with people. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of issues across the entire state. For me, it's really the environment. I mean, I feel like this is an issue that impacts uh, people across the entire world, and 
the, we're not seeing solutions. We're seeing Governor Walker give away $3 billion, now $4 billion to a foreign company instead of investing in something like distributed solar across the state or investing in small farms to help them figure out how to be organic and to actually produce food that, pe that makes people healthy and, and, and stuff that people want to eat. So I'm looking for those solutions. And you know what? If it comes from somebody who's a moderate Republican, more than happy to embrace it and to, and to push that. Um, and, and we do have members who are, who are Republican and who are saying, you know, we really care about the, the education system. Um, I could go on and on. I, I feel like there are some, some really important things that, you know, it's, it's actually sad because I feel like we could be doing so much and be so forward thinking and we're just missing so many opportunities left and right. What are some of the top issues for WFP? Sure. Um, I think you are correct in the analysis of um, 2018. I mean, midterms are hard for the governing party anyways. And then you add on what I think will be a great wave of buyer's remorse. Mm. The average working class voter in Wisconsin who may have made that choice is now at that kitchen table that Max is talking about and saying, I'm not sure what's going to happen with my health care. Mm. And grandma doesn't know what's going on with her Medicare. And she surely hasn't gotten a social security increase. And now I read something about the tax scam. And disabled people are being handcuffed in the Capitol. And it goes on and on and on. Right, yeah. I, I mean, it's, you could go on and on. And all of a sudden, it has affected me. And how are they going to react or take that energy out? It's going to be in the voting booths. At, in November of 2018. So those issues, when it's affected my child's education, my health care, my retirement plan, um, is, is, is when um, it's going to be challenging. So, Do you get the sense that the Republicans have feel at this point that they've overplayed their hand? I do. Look at Paul Ryan uh, and the discussion of him possibly retiring. I mean, I still feel like he hasn't truly, truly disowned that or said that he um, clearly is running again. He hasn't launched his reelection. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, certainly has access to, to funds, but I think that is the, the clear example. Um, and then you add in Governor Scott Walker, who now has over, it's like 14, 15, I mean, it's changing daily of the candidates running in the primary. That's, we haven't seen that before, and that shows that there's a great appetite and people who believe that they can win and defeat him. Um, so I think that's happening in Wisconsin. I think what's interesting about, about Walker, as, as we may recall, Scott Walker was, was the, the, the poster child for the Koch brothers, the ALEC movement, as you mentioned. And they wanted him to be president. They pumped a lot of money into his yeah. race. He was, you know, arguably a working class kind of guy running for, for president on the Republican line. And, and that was the ticket. Uh, who knew that the guy from Queens, who was a dynasty, <laughs> would be the working class guy. But right. he did deliver tremendous success in a very short t period of time. It was a great return on, an, on investment for some very wealthy donors who, who wanted to decimate um, unions in the state. Mm -hmm. Now... Sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll hear centrists. The argument is, okay, the genie is out of the bottle, whatever, whatever analogy you want to come up with. You're not going to be able to get all those union jobs back. The factories have shut down. Wisconsin's not going to be in its prime anymore. Michigan's not going to be where it used to be. Ohio's not going to be. Western New York's not going to be where it used to be. Pennsylvania, you just can't turn back the clock. Mm. So with people in the state who were recently you know, last decade, active union organizers and members, 
you know, who are without jobs or, or without pensions or, you know, the list goes on and on. You know, they could be teachers. How do you kind of renew that faith and have a plan that makes them feel comfortable and believe in the progressive message again when it's going to be really hard? They did a lot of damage. Just to say a word about Governor Walker. I mean, he's a career politician who made it to the national stage and fell flat on his face. I mean, he was pulling at 1% in, in some of the, the last polls. And, you know, I think what it says is, is there, there's a lot that happens when the national spotlight is on you. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, but I don't, I don't actually talk about Governor Walker that much when I'm out talking to people. Mm -hmm. I, I ask them what they're, what they're dealing with, and then we have a conversation about ideas for what they think they want to see in their mm -hmm. future. Um, look at what's happening in Jackson, Mississippi. I mean, you have a movement there where they're, they're developing cooperative. They're yeah. cooperatives. Yeah. They're developing new ways of living. And, and honestly, you know, this system is just not going to last. Uh, and, and when it comes to climate change, when it comes to the job situation, the wages, Foxconn's coming in, but, you know, there's no guarantee that those wages are going to be good or that we'll even be able to right. get people from Wisconsin into those jobs. Right. So we actually have to be thinking not just one step ahead, but ten steps ahead. I mean, what's coming in, in the next decade? What's coming in, the, in this century? And, and actually thinking and using the resources that we have both, you know, uh, when we're out talking to people at their door, but also in the state. I mean, we have a great system of education, K-12. And, uh, and, and I was trained as a solar panel installer. We could be training people to do that job. It's a fairly well-paying job and, and doing distributed solar across the entire state for the amount that we gave to Foxconn. So I really encourage people to not just think about, okay, you know, this is what, what Walker and what Trump are doing wrong, but what can we actually do right? Mm -hmm. That's true, and that's what we're looking for in the people's champion type of campaign we're running for um, the, the primary in August for the governor's race. It's not so much of what Walker's done wrong, because that can certainly speak for itself when you look at Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Wisconsin is one of the worst places in the nation to raise an African-American family. We have the some of the highest incarceration rates. We have a segregated city. Um, the lists go high infant mortality. These are facts and figures um, that are just plaguing us right now. And so that, in a way, speaks for itself. But if you have a people's type of a champion that emerges for the governor's candidate to take on Scott Walker, who has a five to ten point positive, inspirational, motivational agenda, something like Bernie Sanders, something we saw in President Obama, um, we think that that's the way to beat Scott Walker. And that's where our joint project is coming together. Um, and we believe that we'll endorse someone in the primary and that likely they will win and that hopefully we can beat Scott Walker. And to get to your question about will we ever be able to turn back the clock um, in these Rust Belt states in Wisconsin and Michigan? Um, yes, we can. <laughs> I mean, and we have to. And we're not giving up hope. We're here. This party, our revolution is busier than ever because people are actually more energized than ever. We've seen more people come to the street in these um, active you know, protests, new faces that I haven't seen after a decade in politics. We just protested uh, Jeff Sessions coming to town. Over 50 people came up with a 24-hour notice. So that rejuvenation, sometimes when you hit rock bottom, obviously the only way is to go up. And we're seeing this newfound energy that we've never seen before. It's uh, very hopeful. Yes. I mean, if, if Paul Ryan, the most dangerous man in America, mm -hmm. is thinking about stepping out of the race, maybe, maybe, you know, same thing could happen with Walker. I hope so. We will see. Uh, thanks for hosting us. Sure. This is Thank very you. exciting. Thanks we're, for being here. We're looking forward to learning more about what's happening in Wisconsin. Stay tuned, guys.